This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas! We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field and bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get, get it, it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Raider Nation, it is time for Silver and Black Today an Odyssey original podcast. I am Scott Branson. Welcome back to the show. Joining me, as always, is my broadcast partner. He is uh, a senior NFL writer over at Bleacher Report. He is also Raiders columnist at sportsnot.com. Here we are. Camp is fully underway, Mo. I'm, I'm fired up today to get talking to the people out there. I'm back in my studio. I have my, my comfort zone back here. Uh, but we are excited. There's a lot to talk about. We're going to get to it. But it feels a little like football season, doesn't it? Yeah, we're we're coming up on the first preseason game. As you all know, the Rays are in the Hall of Fame game. Uh, it's also that time of year where I start stirring up things on Twitter. So if you've been on Twitter <laughs> over the past few days, you saw what's going on in my account. There's just a lot of different things going on, but we'll get into that. No doubt about it. And so, Mo, let's run down what we're going to talk about on the show. I like to give people that so they can get ready and get geared up. Uh, first, of course, news from camp. We're going to go into the Derek Carr SmackDown he kind of put a reporter, so to speak, from his point of view, in his place. We'll talk about that a little bit. We have sound on that. And I'm just struck by it, and we're going to get into it, because I'm amazed. Raider fans, a lot of Raider fans that don't like Derek Carr call him soft. Then when he comes out and he's forceful, whether you think it's right or not, people then say, well, why is he being so harsh? So we'll get into the, the duality of that. We're also going to hear from Patrick Graham, like what he had to say about his defensive scheme and how one journalist asked him about the complexity, if that was going to create issues. Then we'll talk and hear from Chandler Jones on playing with the Raiders. Love this guy's attitude, what he's doing. Also, the early buzz we're hearing from camp. Then Mo talked about it. He started some fires on Twitter. The firestorm he started this week has to do with the Raider way. Is it changing? Is the Raider brand and the team and the kind of mood no longer rebellious and the outcast? We're going to talk about that. Mo will explain what he meant. We're also going to get in the final segment of today's show to a quarterback and running back breakdown. As we've been going through, as you know, from the start of the move over here to Odyssey, uh, we've been doing breakdowns of all the important positions on the Raiders throughout the roster. By the way, Mo, we got to make sure people subscribe to the podcast, right, buddy? We got to get them out there wherever they get it. They need to subscribe. Make sure you check on the link 
below in the video if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening to us in the description of this podcast is a link. It'll take you right to it wherever you are. If you're on an Apple iPhone, if you're on a Mac, if you're on an Android phone, if you're on a PC, doesn't matter. It'll take you to the right link to subscribe and you can subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Do that for Mo and I. Give us a five-star rating. Uh, if they had a six-star, we would deserve that, but we, they don't have one yet, Mo. I know they're working on it. Just for us. Just for us. <laughs> Just for us and for Raider Nation, of course. So do that for us. Make sure you subscribe. We are shows on Tuesday, Thursday, and then during the regular season when it pops up, we are going to also be doing post-game shows. So make sure you pay attention to that. All right, Mo, let's jump in on this um, Derek Carr situation. Uh, and Derek Carr, of course, at the press conference, if you remember last week in a couple interviews, he talked about, again, which we've heard uh, in the five years I've done this show and talked Raiders football, every year Derek Carr has talked about how his team is not respected, okay? He did it again this year, uh, and the question came up about, him saying this, and, and here's what Carr had to say. Now, the video is not the best for those of you watching because inexplicably, the Raiders decided not, they edited this question and answer and exchange with the ESPN reporter. They edited out of the final version that they kept on their website and YouTube. But here's Derek Carr when asked that question uh, about being kind of underrated and people not giving them respect and why he talks about it. Oops, if it would help. Here we go. Thank you. Play a pretty uh, Take, put that one. Internally motivated guy, but like collectively as a team, does it kind of by the fire you guys? I said it, I said it in like this tone, and now it's been taken to this. I saw the full quote, so I know it was. But you know how him and Paul like to do things, you know what I mean? They'd be doing crazy stuff. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, look, nobody, expectation, who cares? Like, nobody cares, you know? Like, at the end of the day, they could say, you got all these. That crap don't matter. You know, we have to go play the football games. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's honestly how I feel. I just got to be more honest. I just got to start speaking my mind. And as I'm getting older, I just say what I want to say, you know. And so my real answer is the expectation, all that kind of stuff, who says that? Honestly, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Whether they don't say anything or they say a lot, nobody cares. Let, hopefully they talk about us at the end. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, But right now, that crap don't matter. It doesn't matter, Derek. Why do you talk about it and why do you Thank you, Paul. It's so good to see you. Uh, <laughs> I say it because I'm a positive person, and it's I try and uh, – it is. And I try and encourage my teammates. There's a way that I say things to encourage my locker room to maybe put a chip on their shoulder, and sometimes I do it too much. And so I don't appreciate your tone either. You can pump that back a little bit. Oh, yeah. When you talk about the account – Well, there you go, Mo. Pump that back a little Woo. bit. Now, here's where I want to start with this, because number one, fans, pure fans, obviously the people watching this show as well, are always going to take umbrage with a question from a reporter if they think it's combative. So I kind of dismiss that. Whether or not you thought the question was fair and the follow-up was appropriate, it's just interesting to me that Derek Carr, he's asserting himself. He called it his locker room. I even saw fans go a little batty about that saying, well, why is it his locker room? Well, he is the franchise quarterback signed to a new deal. There's no question it's his locker room. Uh, Mo, first of all, what do you make of that exchange not knowing, because we don't have all the information. Uh, there, there could be other things happening, as we know, as, as journalists, sometimes there's undercurrents you don't know about because it's behind the scenes. But when you look at that exchange from Derek Carr, is that something that gives you pause or is it something that you say hey you know what that's what you got to do you got to give and take 
I think it's give and take. I think Carr is also tired of the, the line of questioning because as he said, every year he says something to the effect that, oh, we're, you know, we're not talked about enough. People are overlooking us. As he said, it's a way of him motivating his teammates. I don't think he actually spends 10 hours a day looking to see who has the Raiders winning the AFC West, who has the Raiders winning 10, 11 games or winning a title. I, I think it's just more of, hey, they're not expecting much from us. But we're gonna go out there, like he said, with a chip on our shoulder, we're, and we're gonna we're gonna surprise some people. Now, I will say we had a similar conversation last year, I believe, where someone asked him, "Does he listen to the outside noise?" Mm-hmm. And basically, he said he said no. He's kind of dismissive dismissive of it, but he said he acknowledged there was some noise. So obviously, he heard something going on outside of the building. But anyway, get, getting back to his current back and forth with the ESPN reporter, I think Carr took umbrage with the way the reporter kind of interrupted his his answer in the middle like there was a, like a little bit of a push like a you know he was expecting more out of that answer so car was i guess saying like you know pump the brakes on it i'm answering your question this is how i feel about it yeah and, and i i don't disagree with that but let me ask you this question he, and he he actually said it right in the answer right he said look i do things to get my locker room fired up that's his job, right? So so for some of these players that haven't maybe been on the roster or haven't been around for the young guys him saying, hey, look, we're not getting our due or kind of getting that, as he put it, chip on their shoulder. That's what you want your franchise quarterback to do, isn't it? Absolutely. But you hear this. Carr is not the only one. How many times have you heard uh, a first round draft, a first round draft pick or a team that goes to the playoffs and wins a playoff game or gets to the NFC championship game and says, no one expected us here. I've heard the Patriots mm-hmm. players say that over the years and the Patriots are perennial contenders. It's it's not a real comment where say no one expects us. It's just kind of a rallying cry to say, guys, let's pull together. People are not expecting this and this and that. Let's be our best. Let's do our best. And I think that's all there is too. I think people are kind of blowing it up out of proportion. No, I do too. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's decorum in press conferences and sometimes uh, reporters jump in when they're not supposed to. That was an interruption. I agree with you on that one, yeah. uh, but not a big deal. And again, I go back to what I said before we played the clip, Mo. You want your quarterback balls out. You want him to be this guy. And 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 all the criticisms I've heard of Derek Carr, one of those for years has been he's soft. Not just on the field, but oh, he, he oh, he's Mr. Oh, jo- golly gee, go shucks. And even the veiled kind of uh, I think um, uh, what's the disrespect of his religious views that he's he's a good Christian guy, and sometimes people use that against him. So now he said it. He said, look, I'm getting older. Now he's comfortable. He's got, for the last few years, all he heard about was he was going to be traded or Tom Brady was going to be signed to replace him. Now he's in there. He knows he's going to be a Raider, at least uh, for the next two years. And he's got the money. He's he's perfectly set. And so now he's reasserting himself. And also, I think he is done. Look, all the negativity coming out of the move, all the Bay Area media. I'm not picking on guys in particular. I'm just saying there was a negative narrative. He's tired with that. They finally have a team. He's got all the weapons he needs. They have a great coaching staff. They also have a great GM now, uh, at least early on from what we can tell. And so I think moving forward, they're they're pulling him back into the negativity and trying to create a controversy. And here we are. I said earlier in in a couple shows ago, Mo, that finally there's no Derek Carr controversy, and here you go. Yeah, but they're always going to bring up uh, Derek Carr, where he stands in the division, because you're comparing him to Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, and 
Now Russell Wilson says so always going to be a, oh Carr's the fourth best quarterback in the division. So I'm sure he hears. <laughs> I'm sure he hears that because a he lot does. of people are, have been said that online. So I'm sure there's a chip on his shoulder. So I think he's trying to also spread that to his teammates so that again they're all pulling in the same direction. But you you mentioned something about Carr's future and he's secure right now. He got a new deal, got the no trade clause. I know there's a there's a out in the contract where they can release him after one year. I highly doubt that's going to happen because Devonta Adams clearly came to Las Vegas for to play with Derek Carr. So a lot of people want to give him credit for that, but Carr for now for the foreseeable future is going to be the quarterback. So he's securing his spot. Doesn't have any real competition behind him, which we'll talk about later in the show. So you, I think you're going to hear a more assertive version of Derek Carr this year. Yeah, no doubt. And he should be. Uh, and so hopefully that's the extent of the Derek Carr uh, controversies or drama <laughs> Uh, there'll be more <laughs> there's, there's there's always more isn't there there's oh always my more. gosh it always seems to end up that way uh but if you look at that and then we start to look at um uh the defense so so one of the things that i wanted to talk about and, and play for everybody here was uh patrick graham the defensive coordinator now for the raiders a guy i know both of us have been very excited about to see what he's going to be able to do with this this young defense and some defense with some question marks uh, but we talked about it, about the complexity, how he switches things around. Uh, and it was a different complexity. It wasn't, we talked about this in the last show with Paul Gunther's defense and, and the, the multitude of plays and how you had to do all that and the calls more than anything. And one of the reporters asked uh, Patrick Graham about the complexity of his defense. And his answer to Mimo was perfect. Here it is. Here's Patrick Graham. I mean, football, again, is not as complex as everybody thinks. I mean, football, you know, you have single high zone, you have single high man. They played that here last year. You have split safety zone, split safety man. They played that here last year. I mean, we're not reinventing the wheel, in, wheel anywhere. Um, you know, again, from each system, it's usually language. That's probably the thing that's different. And the guys have embraced it. I mean, so, again, I mean, this is a very successful defense last year, and, you know, we're just trying to build on that. And then, obviously, some of the language changes, but, I mean, it's really not as complex as everybody thinks. I mean, there's not there's only so much you could do out there on the field to take away what the offense is doing, and we just – it's usually a different language. There you go, Mo. Uh, much of what we talked about, right? I mean, I think that this is a situation, too, with a new coach – with new players, especially young players, I mean, he's not going to go out and say, yeah, this is real complex. These guys are going to have trouble getting the getting the defense. Yeah, I just want to play a quick word game with everyone listening and watching out there. When you hear the word complex, that's more of a neutral. You see that as a, more of a neutral term, right? It means mm -hmm. oh, there, you know, there are layers to something. But when you hear complicated, there's a negative tone to that. Oh, it's too complicated. Guys won't be able to pick it up. So the use of the word complex, I think, is key there. But I will push back on him a little bit and say, yes, the Raiders did play a mix of coverages last year under Gus Bradley. But as we spoke about, they mostly played under cover three. Right. And if 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 Graham is going to mix it up, cover three with four down linemen, right? So if Graham is going to mix it up and he's going to have different sub packages, different base, guys have to be able to pick that up and be able to know what their roles are in specific coverages and in specific packages because it's not going to be the same. So let's say a defensive tackle may be in a three technique in one package. He may be four technique in another package, maybe a five technique in another package. So he's got to be able to adjust based on what the call is. So I think that's where people worry about, is it going to be too complex or too complicated for players to pick up? But it seems as though he's doing a good job. He said, and I think he mentioned this to give to his credit. He mentioned that it's about teaching the players. If you have good teachers there in the locker room, 
then the players shouldn't have an issue. And that was the put that was the problem with Gunther. A lot of people uh were saying that maybe he's not the best teacher, knows his stuff, knows his exes and knows is a great coach, but didn't relay the information digestibly enough for the players to pick up, and that was the problem. Yeah, and I, I noticed, you know, I've not met Coach Graham, but I will tell you the energy, if you watch that entire press conference and what he had to say, uh, I think that is that is fantastic for a young group of guys too. Uh, and and even the veterans, you know, the veterans who either know him or know of him because they've played against him or, or been at a stop with him really do talk about how motivating he is. And I think that's really important with a young team because with a young team, Mo, they're going to make a strides. They're going to make a couple steps forward and step back as, as you do with young players all the time in the NFL. And I think the mindset, and we've talked a lot about that over the last few weeks, the mindset uh, with this coaching staff you just can tell the difference there, and I like his tone uh, when you're talking about having a young club. Here are the two things with Patrick Graham. I'll give you a, a strong positive and a strong negative. I'll start with the negative. The one thing is, unlike Gus Bradley, um, Graham doesn't have a long track record. He's only been a defensive coordinator for three for three years. Two of those defenses weren't good, weren't good because they had a rebuilding team. The Dolphins, they were rebuilding when he was there. And the Giants' his first year in a rebuilding phase with uh, Joe Judge when he was there. Now, the 2020 Giants' defense was was actually pretty good. I believe top 10 in uh, in scoring, ranked somewhere in that in that ballpark. But doesn't have a strong track record. So a lot of people aren't going to know what to expect from him. He hasn't really established sort of an identity as, as a coordinator. But as you said, there's high energy there, so there's something to look forward to. The positive is that, I've, and I mentioned this last week, He's willing to listen to his players. And he spoke about mm -hmm. that during the pressers that he's willing to learn from the players. He, he's a coach, and but he's not saying, well, I know everything and I'm not going to listen to anyone. I'm willing to listen to my players. What works best for you? Which which position you know, do you prefer? We want you to learn different spots, but where can we accentuate your strengths and, and, and your skill set? And I think him willing to listen to his players will help him along. No doubt about it. And one of those players we also heard from, and I wanted to play this as well. I mean, we, we heard players all week long and uh, with some good stuff to say, but they asked Chandler Jones, who, I, of course, Raider Nation's very excited about him being on the other side from Max Crosby. And they talked about him and asked him about the opportunity to play with the Raiders. And here's what Jones had to say about that. Well, having this opportunity, uh, is, is huge for me, honestly, uh, as an individual. Um, I know that, you know, the average span to play in this league is about three years, maybe over three years. Um, the Raiders is a, is a team that's it's a legendary team. Uh, I've always dreamed of playing, you know, for the Raiders. And to have this opportunity, uh, it wasn't much of a decision that I had to make, honestly. Um, you know, I, I became a free agent. I had the choice to go to any team in the NFL that I, you know, wanted to, and the Raiders was a choice. So, um, and for Josh McDaniels to be the head coach, Pat Graham to be the defensive coordinator, uh, it felt it felt like right at home. Um, and just have the opportunity to pair it with one of my best friends, Max. And I, and I talk about Max all the time, but uh, he pushes me every day. He pushes me. He was pushing me today, and, and uh, I think that's going to definitely help me and help our team. So there you go, Mo. I, I see, and I think as he speaks, uh, because he's always been a very – I think a very heady guy uh, in addition to his players. And you mentioned last show, you know, he might not be 
all the same player that he was when he was a bit younger, but he's still a force to be reckoned with. And that maturity going alongside Max Crosby, the fact that they're getting so tight and pushing each other and competing from that to make each other better is a great, great sign for that defense. Yeah, I think he's still going to be able to command double teams here and there, which will help free up other guys in our defensive line. Now, the young guys in the middle have to step it up. But as I think Max Crosby even said, you can't you can't double team both of them. And I think Chandler Jones is going to get his. I can see him getting double digit sacks this year on, on his side of the, of the defensive line. No doubt about it. All right. We are up against our first break. When we come back, Mo's starting all sorts of trouble in the on the Internet, of course, especially on Twitter, where he likes to throw some gasoline on top of an already burning <laughs> fire. So when we do that, we're going to come back as well and talk about what he said and the point he's trying to make. He'll explain it as we roll on with Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere. And don't forget, before we go to the break, if you haven't already done it, just subscribe wherever you may be. Get the show three times a week coming up this season. We certainly appreciate it. Don't go anywhere. But we'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply back you're listening to silver and black today hey if you're a raiders fan if you are a card carrying member of raider nation this is where you get your news and views here in odyssey original podcast we appreciate you being with us do us a favor subscribe to the show if you haven't already done it you can do it anywhere you get your podcasts the link in the bottom in the description will take you to the device specific uh, subscription opportunity as well. So make sure you do that. Drop us a five-star review. We sure, certainly appreciate it, as well as catching us on YouTube as the show is up on video as well. You can subscribe, hit the notifications there as well. Okay, we're back with Mo. And of course, Mo, he is no angel. He is out there on these Twitter streets starting trouble. Yes, sir. He may look innocent, but he's out there. <laughs> getting people fired up for this football season. And Mo, you started a firestorm this week by asking some specific questions. Now, the Raiders and Raider Nation, all of those wonderful people that listen to us, they have that, that forever chip on their shoulder. They're the outcasts. They're the team. They're the pillaging group. The, 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 the image that Al Davis cultivated that came to fruition in the 1970s culminating in three Super Bowl champions, the last the championships, the last in 1983, you dare ask the question if that may change. Let everybody understand exactly what your firestorm that you started, what it was about and what your point was. I want to start off full disclosure. <laughs> you know, I started watching the Raiders in 1994. So I get 
the tradition, the image. When you think Raiders, you think toughness, outlaws, rebels, uh, overcoming obstacles to still win, winning above all, right? And I, I had a thought Saturday before I headed out looking for some ice cream. And <laughs> I said, hey, I, I think the Raiders image or what, how you think of the Raiders when you when you think Raiders, I think that's going to change under Josh McDaniels. And, of course, some people push back because a lot of people are very traditionalist when it comes to the Raiders. They don't want to change the uniforms. They don't want to change anything. They love their tradition. I get it. I fell in love with the tradition, too, when I was, you know, eight, nine years old. I, so I understand. And the fans will carry that tradition wherever they go. But as far as the product on the field, I think when you think Raiders – you won't think rebel first under Josh McDaniels. I think, and this is a good thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing. And I think there's going to be an evolution involved with the Raiders franchise as far as the football team. And I think when you think Raiders, you're going to think detail oriented, uh, calculated, shrewd, well-prepared. Again, those are all positive things. And under John Gruden, his second stint with the Raiders, the Raiders were still more traditional. It's still more about toughness. The team wasn't always disciplined, and we know this because there were there were talks about there were some lapses in in details during the season that the players at certain times didn't pay attention to details at times. I think that's going to change in Josh, Josh McDaniels because right now at camp, he has guys running sprints. If they make a mistake, Derek Carr talked about it. You got to take a run, and I think that's part of changing changing. I, I would say the identity of the team It's not going to be. Oh, the Raiders won the game, but they were sloppy with it. Oh, the Raiders, you know, have all these penalties. And a lot, of, a lot of fans like to say, well, the NFL is out to get the Raiders and they're going to be the most penalized team regardless of what happens. Well, Josh McDaniels isn't taking that victimhood approach. He's saying, look, there are things we can do to tighten up on the penalties so that we don't give a reason for the refs to blow the whistle. So, again, I, when I say the Raiders are going to evolve under Josh McDaniels and their identity is going to change, I'm saying when you first think of the Raiders, you're not thinking – rebel tradition maybe you're thinking okay this team is a little different they're well prepared mm. they're detail oriented they're shrewd uh and a lot of people say that's kind of patriot related but i also think that there's a splash of difference with josh McDaniels because he has shown a lot of personality at the podium he's not as crotchety and and tight-lipped as bill belichick he even has guys in the locker room who are definitely characters and you know bill belichick you know, you didn't see a lot of personality with Patriots players under Bill Belichick. With Josh McDaniels, you got guys like Mac Hollins, who I watched his presser, and I thought this guy is a guy I would hang out with. He's a very entertaining character. Very Jermaine funny. Illuminar. Jermaine Illuminar, who I've been mixing it up with on Twitter about his food takes. I've heard he's a very interesting guy. AJ Cole, as I've, I've, I've heard, and I've had talks with him about his food takes and cheesecake. Also another very interesting character. So this isn't going to be the Raider, the Raider way as far as the Patriot way where you see guys not have a personality and it's all about just football. And I know people are going to bring up Rob Gronkowski, but he was probably the only guy that had a big personality at locker room because he's basically going to be a Hall of Famer. So you let that go. But I'm talking about role players having personalities and Josh McDaniels letting that show. So you get a little bit of the Patriot way with a well-prepared, detail-oriented approach, but you get a little bit of some fun and some splash for Josh McDaniels with guys letting guys be themselves and showing personality with the media. Yeah, and that's well put. I, I guess for me, a couple things. Number one is I was shocked by some of the responses you received. Well-meaning people, great Raider fans, don't get me wrong, but the word boring. Like, boring what? Because you don't get 15 penalties a game, you're boring? Or because uh, it's not 1976, right? So, so I understand. And the whole mystique of the Raiders, I understand it. 
But the NFL of today is very different. We talked about it in relation to Jonathan Abram and the way he played, right? You can't do that anymore. Uh, the Al Davis saga and the story and his rightful fight against the NFL to gain the respect he wanted for his team, the ability to create winning teams like he wanted to, that's all good. Him being the AFL and the NFL maverick, absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with that. It worked. But in today's NFL, where it is a massive corporate business, where it is an entertainment business, um, it's not going to fly like it used to. I'm not saying you, you don't forget the past. I mean, that's part of your heritage. It's like, that's right. huge. Guys like right. Phil Villapiano, who we have on the show, those guys tell that story about poking people in the eyes and hitting them in the crotch and doing all that stuff. Great. You can't do it anymore. So to me, the reaction of, well, it's boring. I don't know if six rings are that boring, Mo. I look at it this way. And, People in general are resistant to change. But Absolutely. what I will say is you can you can embrace your roots and respect your tradition and all the greater players that came before and still learn to evolve. And and I just look at it this way, and you, you just mentioned it. A lot of the things that you cheered on in the 1980s and 70s, you got to have to let that go. It's a different league now. The way the offenses are, are let to go down the field and the way things are officiated, it's a different league now. You have to evolve, adapt, or die. And again, because I said that the identity is going to shift and change, doesn't mean that they're going to completely change where they're not going to have some of those old qualities. They're just going to incorporate right. new things. Again, detail-oriented, uh, being well-prepared. And that, I think that's going to have an effect on cutting down those penalties. But I will also say, look at, the look at the Raiders' leaders and captains and vets on this team. When I used to think Raiders growing up, I used to think tough, fiery. They're going to mm -hmm. beat you down. You know, Now you look at guys like Derek Carr. I know he was kind of firing that presser. The reporter, but for the most part, you don't think of Derek Carr as a you know fiery. I'm going to beat you down. He's more cerebral, and that's the the word I used on Twitter because I think the Raiders are going to be a more cerebral team. Yeah, we look I, at I Derek mean, Carr. You really quick when you look at Derek yeah. Carr, Chandler Jones, who we had sound on. I, I know Chandler Jones is a game record, but you listen to him speak. He's not that I'm fire. I'm going to beat you down type of guy. He's the guy I'm going to beat you with my technique. You look at Devonte Adams. Not a guy that's fiery, so to speak, when you hear his pressers. He's going to beat you with technique, cerebral. Mm -hmm. Cole Miller, your best offensive lineman. You don't hear a peep from him. He's not making headlines. Those guys are, are, not, are not headline makers in a sense where they're going to say things that are inflammatory. Yeah. I'm a rebel. I'm, gonna, I'm tough. I'm do this. It's all about technique and being well-prepared. Absolutely. And it's interesting, though, and I, I want you to get a cup of tea, your favorite tea, and, and sit up because uh, Scott, the psychologist, is now in the house. Okay? <laughs> and that is uh, when I when I have my patient Raider Nation come in and sit down on the nice couch uh, like Dr. Melfi and Tony Soprano, um, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this and I understand some of the reaction because I look at it this way, and that is Raider Nation, the thing that's always amazed me about it, especially being newer to it, has been the fact that it is a true tribe, and, and most members of Raider Nation talk about it being a family. And you see all of our listeners over the years and how they get together on the road, and when they now travel to Las Vegas for games, um, it's remarkable how close they are. So, so not only are you right, Mo, about culture change being difficult no matter what the situation but then if you feel like because things are changing, you may lose your identity, that gets really scary, I think, for fans. But but I don't think that's going to happen because 
I go back to a conversation. And I don't mind sharing it now openly because I don't feel like I'm betraying any confidences. But I had a conversation with Mark Bedane a few years ago when he was president of the Raiders. And I asked him about, this was before the stadium opened. And I said, hey, are you going to have the black hole? There's a lot of concern about people having getting the black hole. And he said, yeah, of course. The black hole is, is part of what Raider football is all about. But we also are in a new market. We, we want to take the experience to a next level. We also are going to have new fans. We're going to have new fans from Las Vegas and the surrounding area who are going to come in. They don't have that history. They want to be part of that history, but there is an evolution. He didn't say he wanted to get rid of any of that. He wanted the evolution to occur, and I think that's what we're seeing is this evolution. But the other shocking thing, Mo, and I want to get your comments on this, and I know it's just fans kind of spouting off, but it's a really interesting part of fandom, not just for Raider fans, but for a lot of folks. And that is this idea that if you didn't suffer for the last 30 years, or let's say you're younger in the last 15 years, that somehow you're not a fan. You're a bandwagon fan if you become a new Raider fan. I don't understand that. Now, if your team wins the Super Bowl and then suddenly your neighbors are flying Raider flags and they never did before and they had no interest, <laughs> that I understand. But this idea that you have to be flogged and whipped and beat up and, and have your nose bloodied as a Raider fan to be a true fan just rings hollow to me. I think part of that comes from a lot of people feel like there's a rite of passage, that they mm. suffered through those decades of, <laughs> of mediocrity and poor seasons in 2-14 and 4-12. and 4 and, 12. and here you come, as soon as they start winning, then you want to claim you're, you're this diehard Raider fan. I think that's where the vested fans have a pushback. And I get mm -hmm. that. I understand that. I've watched the Raiders lose to the Buccaneers on my bunk bed at 16 years old. I get it. So I, I totally <laughs> trust still, me. I totally get still, it. It's still ingrained it, in your brain. It, it's it, it still hurts my heart to see that, but to remember <laughs> that. But I will say this, and I, and I said this on Twitter, that anytime you have a team that's headed in the right direction, you're going to gain new fans. There's nothing you can do about that. And I like some of the comments that came back because there were some positive comments. And there was, yes. Just when Wendy, I just want to shout her out. Mm -hmm. She had a good comment. She's just like, you know, basically everyone just come together. Why are we why are we dividing Raider fans into sections? You know, you were a fan for 20 years. You're a fan for 30 years. You're a fan for 10 five. It doesn't matter if you if you enjoy watching the team, we could share a moment at the beat at the bar or wherever we are watching the game. We can enjoy Raider football. And I think that should be the overwhelming message of it, because another another tweeter said something about like sometimes kids are not into sports right away. You get adults later on in life who are into football. Maybe as as you just mentioned, Reyes move to a new city, go from the Bay Area to Las Vegas. You're gonna get new fans who come along along the way, and that's yeah. just that's just how it is. Now, if you don't want to associate with new fans because you feel like you're you're some vested Raider member, and you you're not you know you don't want to associate with bandwagging people, that's that's fine. But at the end of the day, when you're having a beer and you're celebrating a win in the playoffs or a Super Bowl, you're not asking the guy or girl next to you, woman next to you, hey, how long have, before I give you a high five, before <laughs> I share my brisket with you, how long have you been a Raider fan? No one is asking that question. You're just excited to see your team win. Yeah, and and it's it's remarkable to me too because some of the same people. And again, you're right. There's positive. I'm not. I don't mean to just focus on the people who are being talking negatively about this whole change and fans and and yep. you're the firestorm you started. But the idea too that some of these same people were cheering uh, the hire uh, of, of of Sandra Douglas. Um, oh my gosh, excuse me. 
and and the fact that she comes in as the first African American female. So you're you're celebrating diversity, right? And so diversity mm -hmm. is about welcoming people from all walks of life, all types of talent. And and then suddenly you're saying, well, no, you can't be a new Raider fan. It's just it's remarkable. But but I I understand, and I think your point is well taken that there's a rite of passage involved. But, you know, it's funny because the, the, you hear fans talk about, well, they haven't been a Raider fan, and they talk about the great Raiders, and, oh, well, forget them. They, they went to the Chiefs as a player or whatever. But then you look at Marcus Allen or you look at other great Raiders who played on and who came back and are still loved by Raider Nation. There's room for everybody, and I get the little bit of, okay, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, and now you get to enjoy just the, the happiness. But that's life in general. That happens with everything. I don't care if you're in business or whatever. When you're struggling, there's not a lot of people there lining up at your door. And then when you're winning, guess who's there? Everybody wants to be a part and have lunch with you, have a coffee with you and all that stuff. So it's no different in life. Uh, so so good that. But, but at least most started it and got it rolling, and it was a very good discussion. So good stuff. One all thing right. I one thing yeah. I will say, though, really quick about the identity. Above all, if you want to honor the Raiders of old, of yesteryear, and Al Davis, what is the number one thing that Al Davis wanted the team to do? Win. No matter how it happens, just win, baby. That that was that. That's the identity I think Al Davis would be proud of. No matter how it's done cerebrally, whether you're a fiery player or whatever the case may be, winning the game should be the identity of the Raiders. Because if that if that goes back to what it was in the '80s and the '70s, then everyone's happy. Absolutely. And by the way, for the first time, I mean the last 15 years, um, maybe a little less than that. Remember too, we have so many fans, Raider fans, that we hear from who saw the Raiders on TV once, twice a year because they were on Monday Night Football a lot, and, and they became Raider fans because they got to watch them. Now you can watch football everywhere, right? You can be in Australia, like our good our listener Rossi down there and our good friend Hayden Nadolny. Those guys got, got it on Armed Forces Radio. They learned. Now there's more accessible. So Raider fans are popping up all over the place, not because they're that good yet. Yes, they made the playoffs, but they're also getting more accessible, and they love the team. They love the look. It could be the uniform. It could be the helmet. It could be whatever. So uh, it's good, but you're right. It's all about winning, and that is something that everybody loves to get on board with. All right, we're going to take a break now. When we come back, last part of the show, we're going to do a position breakdown. We're also going to announce a little fun deal we're going to do. Yes, we're going to do a fantasy football league. We're going to talk about it. We're going to get you involved coming up after the break. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere, Raider Nation. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Raider Nation, you're back. You're with Mo Moten. I'm Scott Colbranson. This is Silver and Black today. Couple things, couple orders of business. First, subscribe to the podcast. You got to go do it wherever you get your podcast. Do us a favor, go subscribe to it, whether it's on Apple, whether it's on Google, whether it's on Spotify, Stitcher, or on the Odyssey app. Go do that. Drop us a five-star review. We certainly appreciate it. Have every show pushed right to you. You don't have to wonder if it's there. It's just going to come to you. So when you get on Tuesday, Thursday morning on that commute, guess what's going to be there? It's going to be Mo. It's going to be Scott. We're holding a hot cup of coffee. We're ready to talk Raiders football. Also, 
do us a favor as well and head over to the YouTube channel. If you'd like to watch us in the evening, maybe you're cooking your dinner or you're sitting uh, enjoying some, some you time, check out the YouTube channel and subscribe there as well. Follow Mo on Twitter, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. Again, read his stuff on Bleacher Report, covers the entire NFL, so you'll get all sorts of great insight and information there as well. He's also the Raiders columnist up on sportsnot.com. Follow me uh, at LV Gully as well, where you'll hear me tell, tell Mo that he's crazy, that he only thinks mint should be in toothpaste. But that's for another discussion. All right, we're going to dive back in, Mo, to Raiders football. And we're breaking down and getting towards the end of our position breakdowns. And we're going to talk about quarterback to start with. And everybody's going to say, well, why are you going to talk about quarterback, Derek Carr? Absolutely, Derek Carr's a starter. There's no question. But behind him, you, you have two quarterbacks vying for that number two position. And so when we look at that and we think about Mullins, we think about Stidham um, and, and how that battle might uh, un, unfold, to me, I'm not so sure it's much of a battle, Mo, but I want to hear what you have to say. Who's got the edge there and why? It's definitely Nick Mullins. I agree with you. I don't think it's that much of a battle. I know Stidham has Patriot ties, but he didn't do much after the Patriots drafted him for in the fourth round, I believe, in was it 2019? Yep. Uh, something around there. So I believe two, like a couple of touchdowns, four interceptions when he was filling in. So not much production there. Nick Mullins has started in eight games in two separate seasons, I believe 2018 and 2020. Started eight games with the 49ers in those seasons. So he has the starting experience. You can count on him to come in in a pinch if you need him. If Derek Carr, unfortunately, gets hurt or something happens, he has to come out the game. You could depend on Nick Mullins to come in and carry and carry your offense to the finish line. So I think it's going to be Nick Mullins as the primary backup. We'll see what happens with Nick Stid uh, Jared Stidham. Maybe they stash him on the practice squad because you can stash veterans now. So uh, maybe they'll just hold on to him because they did give up a draft pick for him. So maybe he sticks around. But again, the number two guy to me clearly is Nick Mullins. Yeah, and it's it's one of those situations where, you, yeah, most NFL teams now have that third quarterback on the practice squad. Stidham, obviously McDaniels liked him. They took him out of college with that draft pick. They traded for him with the Raiders, as you say, for a draft pick. From a developmental standpoint, John Gruden had Peterman, <laughs> and now uh, McDaniels has Stidham. And that's not a bad thing. I think it's good, and 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 you, you give him a year, and you see how it works out. Uh, but I do like Mullins, Nick Mullins, as the backup because he's game tested. I mean, no, is he is he a full replacement for Derek Carr if something, God forbid, happened to Derek Carr? Absolutely not. But he has the steady hand of a veteran. So if he's got to come in, even if it's for a series or two or a quarter or a half or a full game or a couple of weeks, he's got the ability to come in and do just enough to do that. And what about the system, though, the, the fit for him coming over from Cleveland, obviously, and then uh, with McDaniel's offense? What what about that? As a veteran, he's going to pick it up faster, obviously, than a rookie would be able to. But why is it a good fit with the scheme? I think he's just played under some good play calls. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. Kevin Stefanski mm -hmm. has proved to be a pretty good play caller after his stint in Minnesota goes to Cleveland, gets them to the playoffs his first year. And now he has Josh McDaniel. So he's been under, he's been in complex schemes. He understands the attention to detail. And I think he'll fit in just right with the Raiders if he has to play. So be it. I think the Raiders will be fine with him in a pinch. Yeah. And, and you look at um, Derek Carr, just going back to the starter. Uh, Derek Carr coming in, 
kid, the guys had to learn so many playbooks. Uh, but this one, I think, is going to be good for him, and I think it fits nicely with him. But you look at Derek Carr, obviously the red zone, That's that's got to do with play calling. It's got to do with some other things, not just his play. But what do you want to see from him? I mean, we're not going to see anything until we get to the regular season. But what does Derek Carr's tick list look like? What does he need to work on this camp uh, besides learning the offense uh, to get to the next step in his evolution of his career? Ball protection. A lot of people have talked about this. Not not so much interceptions, but uh, the fumbles. Uh, maybe because of his hand size, there's always going to be an issue there. But he's, you know, he's when you get a feel for the pocket and you know pressures come, you got to be able to hold hold on to the ball with two hands. And that that goes for when you're actually running with the football. Because a lot of people, every time Derek Carr takes off with the football, some people, some fans hold their breath because they don't want him to fumble near the goal line or fumble at all. So that's one thing. Always keep your hands on the football. Uh, sometimes he's got to be able to let the ball go. Sometimes there are times where he is reluctant to pull the trigger. And sometimes windows will close. Maybe he could have got more yards. Maybe he got a touchdown or, instead of a first down if he had just thrown the ball a little earlier. So timing there, holding on to the football, I think are the top two things. But I also want to see him continue to work on his scrambling ability. Under John Gruden, that's been one sticking point for him. He's gotten a lot better with his mobility because he has the athleticism. I want to see him continue mm. to improve in that area. No doubt about it. Okay, so now we're going to move to the other position we're going to talk about tonight, which is uh, running back. And and Mo, I want to start because you've had a lot of conversations with your readers and listeners uh, uh, up on social media about this, and it's been very, very good. But when we look at running back, and you and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, when you look at running back in the Josh McDaniels offense, it's very different than it was under on John Gruden. When you when you talk about the differences, why RB one running back one isn't necessarily RB one, uh, and and it's more of a rotation. Talk about how he managed running backs in New England and what we might see in Las Vegas this season. It's typically been running back by committee for Josh McDaniels. That's why I wasn't surprised to see him bring in Brandon Bolden and then draft Zamir White. And people say, well, what about Josh Jacobs? He was a pro bowler one year. But that's the, the way Josh uh, McDaniels runs things with his running backs. You're going to have a committee. I believe LeGarrette Blunt was the last Patriots running back to have over 1,000 yards as, as the featured back there in 2016. So, again, he has a formula. He has a set system that he runs. And Josh, I think Josh Jacobs will still be the featured back in Vegas. But I think to, as you get toward the end of the season, you're going to see more Zamir White. I think Kenyon Drake can have a handful of carries per week. Kenyon Drake, I think, is slept on because he had a really mm -hmm. good year in Arizona before he came to Vegas. Of course, it seemed that the previous regime didn't have a, a set plan for Kenyon Drake, and then he fractured his ankle. But I think he's the guy to look out for because he can also help with the red zone issues the Raiders have because he had 10 touchdowns with Arizona before he came to the Raiders. In 23 games with the Cardinals, he had 18 rushing touchdowns. He's 6'1", 211 pounds. People don't realize this, but he's a big back. And I think he's going to have, if he's healthy, he's going to have a big role inside the 20-yard line for the Raiders this year. Yeah, you and I talked a lot about him last year, right? Remember leading into the season, we really wanted to see him involved in the offense. And they did to a certain degree at times. And then, of course, the injury pops up and he wasn't able to complete the season and really have as much of an impact as we thought he could have. Uh, but certainly a guy, I think, if he gets if he can get healthy quickly uh, during camp and get ready for the regular season will be a good one. Who's going to surprise in this group? We've seen already out of camp, Mo. Zamir White has not seen any on-the-field time. That's okay. I think they probably are looking at him as a developmental back anyway, and he's probably destined for the practice squad, uh, but a guy that I really like. When you look at the rest of that rotation or what it could be that rotation, 
Who might surprise people? Who do you see maybe as that third back, maybe the fourth back who could compete for that third spot? Well, Brandon Bowling will probably be the third back. He's going to be the pass catcher out of the backfield. Not going to get too many carries, but he's going to be in that James White role. And what I mean by that, he's going to, again, he's going to probably have the most receptions out of those running backs. I was Zamir White, especially starting off slow. Maybe he gets some carries behind Drake and Jacobs. But I kind of hinted to, to Drake being that guy that I, I have my eye on. I actually think he can have close to 1,000 yards from scrimmage this year. If he gets about 500 rushing yards, about 500 receiving yards, I can see it. Because he just like I just explained with uh, Brandon Bolden, Drake could be that third down pass catching back. And as I just said, I think he's going to get a lot of looks inside the 20, inside the 10, when the Raiders are trying to push a ball past the goal line. So I know Devontae Adams through the air will help the Raiders with their red zone issues, but I expect Drake to also have a part in, in helping the Raiders fix their issues in the red zone. So, yeah, absolutely. A good pick there, and, and obviously why they signed him. Now, Josh Jacobs. We heard Josh Jacobs talk to the media as all, as all um, excuse me, this week. Hello. Um, got a little <laughs> bit of mouth issues there. Uh, but no, we, we saw him speak to the media. You pretty curt. Josh Jacobs is not a guy at the microphone anyway who's, who says a lot. Um, he's just kind of a quiet kid, and that's the way he goes about his business. But clearly, as you talked about, his role has changed. And so it's going to be different for him in 2022. But when you look at what he's been able to do, I mean, staying on the field is number one. But in that system, in that role, what do you expect Josh Jacobs to do? The same that he always does, just in with less reps? Or do you see him improving in some other area of the game to where he can get more reps than he might if he had not tried to perhaps improve his cat pass catching ability. Note to fantasy football players out there. You don't want to draft Josh Jacobs early. <laughs> I don't think he's going to see a lot of targets because with Drake and Bolden on the roster, I think they're just going to have Jacobs focus on running the ball. I think he'll, he'll see about 12 to 15 carries on average per week. I still think he can get double digit uh, rushing touchdowns because if you know, he he's, he can run between the tackles. Uh, he follows box and he can get in the end zone, get those first downs and move the chains. Uh, he, you can use him as a short yardage back, but you know, again, they can they can spread that responsibility to other running backs, such as Kenyon Drake, who I talked about having ten touchdowns two years ago. But I could see Josh Jacobs about 175, 180 carries for about eight to nine hundred yards and ten or eleven touchdowns. Now, again, if you're a fantasy football player, not a lot of volume there as far as the yardage. But I think he's going to get the touchdowns. He will lead that backfield in scoring touchdowns. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I, I, I yeah, it, it things change, right? And and Josh Jacobs a good player, but you're right. And if, if if I was going to draft a running back high in fantasy, and I did make the mistake of actually selecting him last year uh, in, in a higher round, uh, and it came back to bit me. You know, I, that's fantasy football. But uh, but a good breakdown of the running back situation is going to be interesting to watch it come out of camp that way okay mo we're gonna switch gears now well we're actually not what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about fantasy football some more because because we know that the world needs to defeat mo moton at fantasy football because he has declared himself the vince lombardi of fantasy football right uh and and it's 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 troubling and so what we have to do is we decided, myself and my former co-host, who I know most of the people listening are familiar with, if you're new to the show, you won't know who he is, but you'll soon know, and he's unforgettable. That is one Mr. Kelly Kreiner. And Kelly uh, said, hey, why, why don't we do a silver and black today fantasy league so that we can beat Mo? 
<laughs> so we're going to do it. We're going to do a fantasy football league, myself, Mo, and Kelly, and then our producer, David Stepanian. Uh, those are the only four in-house people, okay? So we got the four out of the out of the 12. So it's not a huge league. got 12. You, get, you start going more than 12, Mo, it gets crazy, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to do a 12-team league, and here's how you can join. And I know we'll have more requests than we can fulfill, so my apologies in advance. Maybe we'll do a second league depending what happens, but we'll see. All you got to do is DM me. My DMs on Twitter are open. If you want to play fantasy football and help us take down Mo, because Mo, Mo, tell him how good you are at fantasy football. You're not, you're not, you're not humble about this. I'm really not. Every year I, I make sure I show people that, look, you have zero chance. I said this last week. I'll say it again. <laughs> if you're signing up for this league, understand you have zero chance of winning anything against me. All right. Wow. I'm just going to put that. I'm going to put that out there again. The Vince Lombardi of fantasy football <laughs> does not lose. Okay. Wow. Just saying. But that... just remember when I do win, I will take my victory lap publicly on Twitter and let you know that you're one of the many losers who have <laughs> fallen to the great Mo Moten in fantasy football. Right. And it's good. That's why it's going to be so sweet when somebody takes you. It's going to be somebody out there. One of our listeners, <laughs> Kelly's focus. I think he's already studying. Like he's, he's getting ready. <laughs> he's getting ready and I'm going to get ready too. But um, yeah, I mean, unless somebody takes Deshaun Watson, number one, they got a chance, right? I mean, it, we'll see what happens. But it's going to be fun. We're going to do the league. We'll update it. We're going to have Kelly on the show as well. So we'll talk week to week about the league and how it's going. So the humiliating losses and the victorious vic victorious wins will all be highlighted. And we'll give you standings. We'll keep it up. We'll also have, Mo, this is what I'm excited about. We'll have listeners on. So the listeners in the league, for example, if a listener beats you head-to-head, -head, they get to come on and take their victory lap. Sure. All, right? all, all for it. All for it. All and, for it. If it rarely will happen, but I'm all for it. <laughs> and the winner of the league uh, will get a, a, a silver and black today. We'll have some participants. We'll get more than just the winner. We'll get a silver and black today t-shirt, a Raiders t-shirt. We're also, we're, we're contemplating a trophy because, uh, you know, Mo thinks it'll stay in his place the whole time, but we don't think so. And then we're contemplating, I think we'll have some humi humiliating bets along the way, won't we, Mo? Especially with the four Maybe. of us. Maybe, yeah. maybe I'll eat some cheesecake live on air or something. <laughs> Who knows? Oh, maybe. Cheese, maybe. Cheesecake. Wait a minute. Cheesecake a la mode with mint chocolate chip ice cream. Oh, gosh. gosh. I know. I don't know that you could keep it down. I might vomit live on air <laughs> if that happens. So just prepare for that if you're watching well, the on mint, video. The mint ice cream's green. So, yeah, you could just do your best exorcist impression, <laughs> right? So that'll, that'll be a fun time. Um, but anyway, so we're going to do that. Again, if you want to join the league, I'm going to take the first eight people who DM me on Twitter at LV Gully uh, and you can be part of that. And so we'll do that and we'll get everybody on the league. We'll kind of announce who's in the league. We'll do a kickoff and we'll talk. Uh, we'll start the trash talking immediately and we'll talk about prizing and all that kind of stuff. But I'm excited about it, Mo, getting the fans. We've never done an interactive fan thing like this before, especially with fantasy football, especially, you know, with the man that is known around the world as the best fantasy football player in the history of mankind, Mr. Maurice Moten. I'm excited to add to my trophy case for fantasy football. <laughs> I have a whole bunch of trophies and medals and T-shirts and all types of prizes. I, I got a 
I got a little bit of space left for some more trophies, so I'm excited about that. But aren't you like a wrestling guy too? You don't want like one of the belts, aren't you? Into the belts? I, I can. I, you know, I don't have a belt. Maybe I can add that to the collection. <laughs> you know, it, you know, you, you and Kelly and whoever else loses to me in the league can chip in and get me a title belt that spins. You know, that'd be pretty cool. You just wear it over your shoulder for every show. Just every show, just over my right shoulder. <laughs> I love it. We're we're gonna have fun uh, with you guys and with the crew here. Uh, having some fantasy football fun and 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 checking out if anyone can take down it's a king of the mountain thing we got to take him down we'll see if we can all do it collectively and no one's allowed to trade with mo right mo I'm not, <laughs> we're colluding against you it, it takes see it, it takes a whole village to take me down if, if that has to happen then you know how great a person is when oh. it takes 11 people to take you down. Just saying. that's, that's true. That's true. But we'll, we'll get it. And, and maybe, maybe we'll give you, instead of cheesecake, we'll give you some humble pie. Might that, that oh. might work. So we'll see how it goes. But Mo, uh, I'm looking forward to Thursday's show uh, as we get ready for some more reports from training camp. And uh, we'll break down uh, a couple other, uh, I, I should say at large type battles this camp and what we're interested in, but it's always fun. Make sure you subscribe to the show. We'll be back on Thursday. Uh, and man, it was a good show. Lots of energy today. It is football season. Yeah. It's just the very beginning and everybody's just getting into some, some teams don't start camp until this week, but you know what? It's football season in Raider nation and I'm all for it. I'm ready for it. August 4th hall of fame game. We're going to see some football on the field right up the road for me in Canton, Ohio. Absolutely. And of course, on the 6th, the Hall of Fame celebration, everyone makes their speeches. Of course, uh, Cliff Branch in posthumously, but he's going to be in, Mr. Speed Kills. And Richard Seymour, how fitting is it that he yeah. gets in, a former Raider and Patriot? So that, yes. that kind of fits uh, with, the, with the Raiders having Joshua Gillis and Dave Ziegler in there. So it's good to see those two guys get into the Hall of Fame. And good, great to celebrate them. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Don't forget, follow Mo on Twitter at MOE. M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully. And until next time, Raider Nation, take care of one another. We will talk to you Thursday right here on Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Take care.